and lucky you. Another in la la la. <laughs> See, I was trying to be cool there. Well, lucky you. Another episode of Person of Interest is coming at you today. What's going on? I'm Natalie, and um, that was totally my radio voice there. La, la, la. What up, y'all? Person of Interest with me, Natalie Jones, is coming at you today. We have Lori Yarrow. What I love about this is that Lori Yarrow is going to talk openly about how she adopted her son Sam. Now, Lori was having problems um, or just issues. She wasn't able to get pregnant, so she decided she's going to adopt. Now, she's going to be adopting another baby at 40 years old, which she's very, very proud of, and we're very, very proud of her for being so open about it. Thank you so much, Lori. But the best thing about it is we talk about the things to say to women and the things not to say when you're adopting or you're trying to get pregnant. This is a journey I think everyone can relate to, at least just a little bit. I love how open and candid she is about it and how joyful and peppy Lori is about her process and what's going on. She also is a very popular food blogger of Lemons and Zest. You can find her at lemonsandzest.com, and it's also Lemons and Zest on Instagram and on Facebook. She's really, really into Instagram. That's where I love following her. She is just a joyful, funny, charismatic mom, and she loves sharing it all, all the good stuff, all the bad stuff. And her little son, Sam, is absolutely adorable. So it is Mental Health Awareness Month, and we are chugging right along on this, and I'm just loving this month, you guys. I hope you are as well. And here are just some statistics on adoption. So 135,000 babies are adopted in the U.S. every single year. 59% come out of the foster system. 26% are from other countries, and 15 are voluntary, So, which is like the journey that um, – Lori's gone on here. And, you know, there are some things when you adopt that, you know, there's a 72-hour period after the birth mom has a baby that um, it might not happen. That's something I I didn't really know. And to hear it out of somebody's mouth who's been through it is just, mm, it's really, really great. I'm loving this edition today. This is uh, me with Lori Yarrow, also known as Lemons and Zest. Give her a follow. And if you like the podcast or whatnot, you know, all the things, Link or like, subscribe, follow, all the stuff. Share, write a review if you want to, all those things. Love you all so much. Peace and love. Whatever it is to do today, make yourself proud. And enjoy Laurie Yarrow. Um, so how old were you when you got Sam? Um, so I was 36 and just turning 37 because he was born October. And then I turned 37 in November. So. Oh, great. And I'm going to be 40 for the second one. I just, it's going to happen. Yeah. I'm not too old. Like, I'm not too old. Like, <laughs> what you're getting, what you're having another kid? We don't you're know. Do, you're... We've just been back on the wait list for the oh. adoption for, it's been like a year and a half, which kind of really sucks. Like, I thought we would have a baby by now. But really? Yeah. But what, ha- so here's the deal we don't have a relationship other than sending photos with Sam's birth mother. So, because of that, the adoption agency was like, you, you can't go into a second adoption and have a relationship with one birth mother and not his. Like, it'll just, like, cause a lot of emotions and a lot of, like, abandonment issues for him. So they were like, go into this next one with, like, semi-open. same Like, the, basically, like, the same thing, either a closed adoption or what ours is with Sam is semi-open where we send pictures and letters. And then that way, they're kind of on, like, the same playing field. Mm-hmm. So... That cuts us off to like fifty percent of the adoptions. Oh, do you like having the open adoption? I, I, Sam's birth mother originally wanted open, where we would have had like three to four visits a year with her, and that's what she wanted. And then she changed her mind like two months before he was born. So technically, like 
we would never have even had Sam if we would have said we weren't open to having an open adoption. Ah. So kind of part of me is like, well, let's just take the risk. Um, so I literally, the first like 18 months of his life, every month I sent pictures and letters to the adoption agency and then they sent them to her. Now we just do it through an app because gotcha. I just like upload images. Yeah. She, I don't, I guess she sees them. I don't know if she like, I don't know, like exactly. And you guys met her and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we met her. Um, Like, she, we met her in June, and then he was born in October. Um, And like, she never like wanted any other families. Like, we were the ones, kind of thing. And then, but it's so stressful because they have seventy two hours after the baby's born to change their mind. I can't imagine on either party's adoption sounds really um, as something as a. I mean, I'm 35. I'm right. single, you know. Like, right. I, I think I, I want to have a baby at some point. Right. And if that isn't an option, adoption seems um, like gut wrenching on both sides. It, like something I don't think I could handle. Yeah. And we've even talked about like foster to adopt for this one, but then we're like, well, now we have to take Sam's, like how traumatizing that could be for Sam if we got a baby and then lost a baby because they can go in and out with the foster system. So it's like oh, we've yeah. kind of stuck on this because it's taken a year and a half so far. Hopefully, you know, within the next six months or so, what? I mean, you just never know. Yeah. You don't. Like, but he was handpicked for us. He was so handpicked for us that I'm like, the next one is going to be the right one, too. So if it's two years, three years, whatever. Got to go with God. You got to believe, you know? (laughs) You got to believe. I would have punched anyone who told me that before Sam. But now that we have Sam, I'm like, yeah, there is a, like, I believe there was a plan. Like, no one else was gonna handle this child so we um so you have um you speak openly about adoption and whatnot in your process yeah and like so what are i also read a couple other things like do not say this to a person who is on the adoption list (laughs) i mean like i feel like maybe there's not a right or a wrong thing to say right you know everyone's um experience is super 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 individual i guess you know it's such I think Such the hardest part for me was when we got on the adoption list with Sam, so many people would say, just just wait, you'll get pregnant now. You'll get pregnant now. And, or they'll say, or be, when we were going through all of our fertility struggles, they would say, just go get on the adoption list, and I promise you'll get pregnant. And it was always this mindset. But when we shifted to adoption, it was like, no, we are adopting. Like, our yeah. plan is not, this is actually our journey. And when you say that, it's like, it's like almost under like undermining what our decision is and saying that it's still better to get pregnant because like now that we have Sam like I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. Yeah. And so it's I mean all of that junk in general fertility and and people who choose not to have kids and people who choose to like there's always something wrong to say. Always. Mm. And and Everyone's got an opinion. Until you maneuver one of those awkward conversations, like, you're just not going to learn. And, you know, it takes so many times for somebody saying, how many kids do you have? Or, you know, when you don't, to just be like, I remember one time this guy, I was like, we have two babies in heaven. Like, it was like the fourth time I had, like, somebody asked, like, do you have kids? And it was like, that's finally what I, I said. And he just was like, Oh, okay. Sorry. (laughs) I mean, and I'll probably never forget that. And that was just the, you know, and everybody else would ask me recently. I had just said, no, not yet. And it was, you know, yeah. 
it's it's so tough um, to see people go through this, and also like it's a whole different ball game when it comes to like I don't mention anything unless a woman. Our yep. dad is holding a child in front of me, and I can easily tell what <laughs> what gender it is and what race it is. I do not say a no. word. No. Like, don't no. even. Don't even. It's I'm, just, I mean, what's interesting, too, is after Sam was born, um, you know, that was when we were going to the mall and doing all sorts of things. So my mom and I would always walk the mall with him. Just, you know, it was like a way to get out. Love and mall we were, walkers. We mall walkers. And I'd have so many people, and they would be like, oh, my gosh, you look great. How did you get the baby fat off so quick? Do you start, like, making up? <laughs> I just start making up lies. Like, cabbage soup for three weeks. Fine. Yeah. And even, like, the nurse at our first doctor visit was like, you look great. And they were, the, I mean, literally, they'd say, what's your trick? And I was like, adoption. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> like, that was the trick. There is no trick. You know, I mean, genetically. Well, well, you seem pretty like, I mean, what a layer of unexpected strength you've gone, you've built, you know, going yeah. through this process. And, and that's the thing, like what I've I've told people there, there are people that are very quiet about their journey and that's fine. But I have met so many people just by talking about either, you know, like our fertility struggles or adoption in general that like I wouldn't want it any other way because I have yeah. made so many friendships. I have one of my best friends is out in San Diego. We've actually never physically met. We talk every single day, but it's just because of our journeys. Really? Yeah. You find each other online? Like we keep talking about like we're going to meet and then we were we were going to and then COVID hit and she's uh, in San Diego and we're here. Are you so. a little scared to meet her? No, because because I feel like we FaceTime and like we actually have gotcha. like okay. Like we cuz she's got one that's Two and a half, and then Sam. Well, she's a little older than two and a half. So we both ended up having, you know, kids within very, you know, within a year. And so now the kids will, you know, we're like, you want to talk to Hayden? And yeah. So I'm not really scared about that. It's more like, will the husbands like each other? Will they be friends? <laughs> because we're friends. <laughs> like, so you better figure something out. They're both Bears fans. They're both. Nice. Uh, my husband's from Chicago and her husband's from Chicago. So like that, they have that. Yeah. So I feel like they'll. Well, so I know you from um, from Lemon and Zest. I met you at a uh, at like an influencers thing, like yeah, a Quidwell thing. It was Quidwell, yeah. When yeah. They, and I was like, I love her voice. I love her voice. You had just, I think you had just moved back. I think, yeah, I had just gotten on the afternoon show. Yeah. In, I mean, like just like months, like yes. a, like a month, yes. maybe. And I was just obsessed with your like raspy just Arr. voice, and I was like, I need to meet her, Meredith. <laughs> I need to. <laughs> That was so much fun. And I like, and, and then since then I've, I've like followed you so much and your story seems way more complex than just adoption. Yes. So, um, so why did you start Lemon and Zest, okay. which is a food blog, yes. but there's so much more to it. Yeah. I always call it a uh, food blog with the side of life. Yeah. Um, and can I just say like as someone, like I like learned how to cook over COVID now I've read so many food food blogs. I'm like, yours is dope. So many of them are so lame. Where they just talk about stuff and you're like, shut up. Oh, my God. Yeah, but it's funny because I, I actually had an audit recently with a guy who's, like, big in the food blogging business. And I remember, like, him kind of having a come to Jesus with me about, like, okay, you have a little too much story going on here. Google will hate you. So I've had to, like, back down a little bit. But I still have – there's, like, a lot of story telling yeah. that I've I've kept along the way. Um, so what's interesting is I started it 
basically out of we so we had lost our first baby and I was a wreck. Like I I didn't understand how other people made it through miscarriage because I was like, no, I'm I'm dead to the world. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to see anybody. I don't want yeah. anything. And it just hit me so hard. Even to where my husband was like, Are you gonna make it? You know, that kind yeah. of thing. And so what happened was I had always been in the kitchen. Always, I mean, when I was with my grandma, we would make zucchini bread and we would make, you know, and I always cooked with my mom. And so I started kind of playing around in the kitchen a little more. And I was working at the time and and would bring like all my recipes into the girls. And everybody would ask me to write down the recipe. And so I would write a recipe, you know, I'd write it down for this person. And then they'd take that slip of paper. And then I'd write it down for this person. And they'd take that slip of paper. Yeah. And I was like, geez, oh, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I, I have to put this all in one place. Yeah. And so interestingly enough, my husband was in the website. Like he was a computer nerd. So I yeah. never asked him for his help. I went and bought a domain name and started it all up. And then I saw this thing called a cPanel. And freaked out and had no idea what I was doing and just deleted it all and canceled it. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I can't do this. I don't know what I'm doing. Nobody's going to read this. And then I went to Anthony a little bit later and I said, so here's what I did. Um, I don't know why I didn't ask for your help, but can you help me now? And so it was right around my birthday. So he's like, okay, we're going to do this for real. We're going to set you up. His friend is a local um has a local web hosting business so he was like i'll get you a host we'll do all this so started it up but my domain name was gone once you buy and cancel a domain name it's like done for no way unless you can buy it back from whoever like usually i guess people get it and so so that was gone my dream was gone Mm. what i wanted was what that name name it was be whole be happy Because I was like, I'm going to, I went on this, I was in this big journey of like whole food eating and clean eating and whatnot. So I was like, I'm whole and I'm happy and it's great. So didn't work out. So Anthony was like, well, let's just find something else. So it actually, I ended up doing be whole, be you. And um, I don't know if you say be whole too quickly. Um, Behold. It, immediately it sounds like be whole. Oh. And so from like basically the day after I picked that behold, domain behold, name, yeah. mm-hmm, um, Anthony was like, that's like the worst no. thing I've ever done. <laughs> so, <laughs> so a year or so in, I did a, do- like I did a complete rebranding and rechange because I could not get it out of my head. But it started out as a clean eating, whole foods, no refined sugar, no, you know, it was, it was all of these like food rules, which I had already a bad relationship with food in like high school and college and had gone through like the eating disorder struggles and body issues. And so I, it was like, was this a great idea to do this? Because I'm actually creating now all these food rules and then I'm putting it into this blog. Like, yeah, I'm saying like how great it is to like not eat sugar and not eat do you think there's a common theme within I do I do think that that disordered eating is really common and almost glamorized in so much of the food blogging world. Yes. And unless you're unless you know about the triggers or whatnot or like have unless any idea have about it, you of, just think yeah, that's how it is. Yes. And and I I think part of me it was this layer of if I eat this way, I 
bet I can be pregnant. Because by that time, we had lost two babies. And I was like, if I make my body this perfect, clean, healthy, no bad stuff in it, then I'm going to be able to have a baby. And so that was kind of like my thinking. But it became this... It was. It became this almost. Well, Lori doesn't eat that. Well, Lori doesn't eat that. And it was like I'm setting myself up into this mentality of, you know, like I'm basically cutting out all of these foods that I love, and I'm creating another level of just disordered eating, where it's like you're almost. I'm fearing eating bad food, which is just creating more stress within your body. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So what happened was when we shifted to adoption, I was like, well, hell, I don't need to eat like this anymore. (laughs) My body has nothing to do with it. And I really had like this, this come to Jesus of a, now we were closer to having a baby than we ever were because when the first meeting with the adoption agency, they were like, you will 100% have a kid. When we met with all the fertility doctors, it was, you will 23% chance of having a kid. Yeah. You have 26% chance of getting pregnant. Then you have this chance. Now you're geriatric. Now you're an old lady getting pregnant. It was just all of these levels of anxiety that was you know added onto it. And the first time that I was like, we're going to have a kid and I'm going to have to maneuver having a relationship with food with this child Mm -hmm. and mine is terrible. Yeah. And so that's when I basically was like, the blog has to become a place of all foods. You know, like I have to have a, I have to work out. a lot of fun foods on there. Yeah. So do you think that the the blog was kind of therapy for you or did you seek out other therapy or? Yeah, I, I did. um, I actually kept seeking out like fertility um, there's a couple local therapists in town that I I would try to seek out. Um, they're hard to get into, you know, yeah. and whatnot. And so the storytelling, like the the writing and whatnot, kind of became my therapy, where I would yeah. kind of like it became my diary. And I would always say each post was food for thought, and then like food for your body. Yeah. Um, and it was a way. I mean, the adoption process was. so so much high anxiety it was a level of anxiety where like i had my first anxiety attack and i didn't know that was possible because once we met sam's birth mother we had to sit four months and and wait to see if she would give him to us or not basically Oh, that sounds tough yeah so i remember like i was sitting in target and i was just like oh my gosh what if i was in the parking lot and i was like what if she changes her mind what is she like how do they did you feel really judged like how do they i know there's a whole process to go through you know but is going through that process that can't be easy. No, and it's it, it's like a I can probably say this more now that we're in the second round. It feels like a not a, a popularity contest in you're making this book to promote yourself and then when you don't get picked you're like, "Well, what was wrong with me?" Yeah. Why was somebody else chosen? Um which is, you know, like what only only what I've seen and read is how um, older kids feel about being adopted. Yeah. The whole process. Yeah. 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 I can imagine. Um, so there's all the layers within the the site and whatnot. And when Sam was born, I felt like the blog was in a place where I had enough. Um, I had kind of like found my way back to a good place where I can start now raising a child Mm -hmm. and teaching him how to maneuver food. Yeah. Because I never wanted, I mean, I have memories of, 
you know, just what you internalize as a child and other adults' relationships with food. And mm-hmm. if you're seeing people on diets or if you're seeing people, you know, if, if oh, well, mommy can't eat that because, you know. The- and you know what's crazy is I feel like it was so normalized. I mean, it still is, you know. Like, I definitely see that in other people's households, like, a lot. And five-year-olds telling me they think they're fat. And, like, I, I hear and see that a lot, unfortunately. Yeah. But also, like, in the 90s, when I was being raised, like, Hating fat or like getting away from fat was like everyone was doing that. <laughs> yes. It was just like what you did. Yes. You know? And it was, I feel like that's when Weight Watchers became a really big thing. Yeah. And I remember my grandma being on Weight Watchers and. Yo, Oprah. Yeah. Oprah is the queen <laughs> mother of all, you know? I know. And it's like, and what the thing, my thought about Oprah is like you can have all of that money and all of that success and still be intoxicated with like yeah. the diet, you know? and and then what? Right. <laughs> like, so I, you know, I just, I remember certain things and certain people in my life, you know, wanting to be thin and wanting to not eat, you know, this and this and mm-hmm. that. And so for me, now it's like, I want Sam to learn to eat food and to make choices based on like internal cues versus yeah. that's bad. This is good. And that is hard because teaching a child that, no, we don't eat 25 marshmallows because you're actually going to get sick. Yeah. (laughs) And letting them find out certain things from them and like helping them navigate why we would eat broccoli over this or why we would choose to eat this versus, you know, why when we're getting ready for swim lessons, it's a good idea. Marshmallows are a thing. Like mm-hmm. marshmallow, like why it's a good idea not to eat marshmallows and to eat maybe a bagel with cream cheese and a banana or something, you know, yeah. like, and he's three. So he's like, mom, I want the marshmallows. Well, I think it's great that he's learning nutrition in his home. Cause I don't, I don't think, well, I haven't been in school for a long time. <laughs> but we didn't learn anything about nutrition growing up. And I guess, and everything that we've learned now has been proven wrong. Right. So, Right. Who knows? Right. And I can only imagine that it's super hard to, I don't know if you can, I mean, to instill your kids with that strong foundation in nutrition because they're going to absorb everything when they get around other kids in school, you know? Right. And we always had, I considered our household growing up a very healthy household. And then when we went to our friend's house, it was like, Cocoa Puffs? Oh, my God. Same. Oh, what is Cocoa Puffs? Yes. And so I'm like, they're... And we had junk, you know, what would call junk food. We still had it in our house, but not at the level of some of my friends. And so it was just this free-for-all when you'd go hang out at your friends. You're like, can we have this? Can we have this? Can we have this? Same. I was always in the same kind of household. Did you ever feel, I always thought that it was vacation when I would go to some kids' houses that had treats. And I would just confidently mm-hmm. eat all yes. of their shit when yes. I was a kid. Yes. Like, Go, like not even asking, just make myself a bowl of cereal. Yes, <laughs> yes, and it was like part of that is we have, you know, like I remember sitting at lunch and you're doing the trade of no, I want the Doritos, I don't want this oatmeal cookie, or like yeah. I want the junk. So do you think? I mean, so what a blessing that you didn't start this blog to to save you or navigate you through the eating issues, but it did. Yes, and it, then yeah. And then, so how did it, so then when you started having, going through um, adoption process, did you think, it sounds like the blog kind of came in and saved you with that a little bit too. Yeah. Because then it kind of just became a side note, but also like a huge part, like a huge, a huge part of the narrative of the blog. Right. When I feel like 
the blogs and you know like this is my livelihood now it's my work it's my it's you know like hold on but was it your job before no i was a teacher okay for a long time and then when we started having trying to have kids and it was i was so stressed out Mm -hmm. because i was always working with you taught little kids yeah second grade and it was like kind of my husband was like i'm not gonna have you get pregnant and get punched in the stomach kind of thing like it was it was a you know kind of a stress thing and so I took a year off I worked at a coffee shop I you know we kind of you know explored what I was going to do I worked in retail I was at Lululemon and just kind of figure myself out but once we had Sam I was like I want to be able to find a balance where I can work from home I can work during nap times I can make my living while still raising him did you feel intimidated by starting a food blog because there are millions of them i i honestly started it just it was a hobby and then it was like the after effect was like oh i can make money off of this hobby Mm -hmm. and so when i realized then i was like okay we're gonna hustle this so that then that can be my you know, contribution to our family, but mm-hmm. also I don't have to put my child in daycare. And like, that feels very lucky to me yeah. that I can basically, you know, raise him and be there for like all of the special moments, but also still work. Now it does it suck sometimes. Yeah. Because like, so you've been working from home this whole time before yes, COVID. Yes. yes. <laughs> and so there is an Island feeling yeah. Of being away from everybody and and also trying to balance that, you know, every off anytime Sam is in bed or with a grandparent or doing something else, that's my work time. So mm-hmm. like then I have like, OK, but you need to have you time, too. So trying to figure that out. And once COVID hit, it was just like. I'm done. Like I like <laughs> I mentally can't do this. But you have such a great um you've such a great so I follow you and you have such a great sense of humor about everything. Else. <laughs> you've been through so much. Did you always have this like lighthearted attitude about it all? I yeah, I think that I was always a level of like very sarcastic and and had always had a hard time with people that didn't get sarcasm, especially <laughs> like when I was at the kids that scared me when I was a teacher were the ones that just were like these serious, straight faced, very like no nonsense because I couldn't crack them and I couldn't make them laugh. And so that was, you know, like my sense of humor and like that was my way of ha- building relationships with yeah. people. So when you don't get that, I'm like, <laughs> you're like when the, right like the kids that would just stare at you and you're like. Well, this is this is yeah. not going to work for me. Uh, I'm, I'm used to blank stares at comedy. Oh, I feel you. Gosh, that. that was always really hard. And so, and yeah, I feel like with Sam, he is a very energetic. He's very funny too. And so, a lot of the stuff with him is if I didn't laugh, I would cry. Yeah. Like when he, the things that he does and thinks are funny and cute are just like, why me? <laughs> I'm sure you can't be the only mom saying, like, yeah. why me? Yeah. How is this my life? I mean, the kid has outsmarted every childproofing level we have taken. <laughs> he has literally a mattress. And he's three and a half now. Three and a half. Yeah. His room is a mattress. 
and just it that's one it. Huge mattress, just a mattress. Like he has the dorm room sort of situation, <laughs> or like first kid out of college. Wait, so why no bed? No, no bed frame. No bed frame because when he was eighteen months, he was diving out of his crib. Okay. So we were like, okay, well, that can't happen because, like, we're going to have a head injury on our case. So we tried to do the little toddler bed where you basically take the front, like, you take the front out of the crib. Well, he was still climbing up onto the top railing of the crib and then jumping off of that. He likes to climb things. So then he was pulling out. We had two dressers in his room. He was pulling out the dresser drawers and then climbing up. On those. So then we turned the dressers around so that the drawers faced the wall. Well, then he was pulling himself up on to the five-foot dresser, and he would stand up on the dresser and go up to the camera and that, you know, for the monitor and be like, hi, guys. (laughs) So then each one by one, those got pulled out. And then we would leave books in his room, and we had, like, baskets of books, and then those all got torn up. So then it was like, okay, the baskets are gone. So it's literally just wow. a mattress. Like, he is Talk a climber. Talk about low maintenance. <laughs> are you going to pursue climbing when he gets older? He like, is. Well, my husband's, a, my husband's a rock climber. Like, he goes, they go down to the gorge all the time. Wow, so it's got to be, like, we, we actually have... A climbing wall in our basement. I'll have to send you a picture of it. Oh, my God. That's so cool. Yeah. He built, like, a climbing wall kind of at the beginning of COVID because yeah. he needed – he wasn't going to the climbing gym at all. Um, so now Sam is working on that. But Sam can't figure out what you're not allowed to scale and what you are allowed to scale. Mm-hmm. So, like, the bookshelves are not something that we climb. But he has figured out whatever can be climbed – he will climb it. Nice. So. <laughs> nice. That's definitely a climber on your hands there. I feel like any climber or um, story biography I've seen of a climber, like they just started when they were kids and yeah. we couldn't stop it. So we just had to support it. Yeah. Yeah. There's um, the park near us, Beach Acres over in Anderson, has these rock. They're, they're not. It's not real rock, but it is meant to look like real rocks. And there's three of them. And the one is really, really tall and scary. And I thought we can, he can climb the little ones. That's fine. But because I can reach him, yeah. can't reach him on the other one. Well, he figured that out like the first time we went. <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay, stay on your knees, stay on your knees. <laughs> like, and there's really no easy way to get down. And I was like, this, this is just what. My life will be with him. Um, so you said that you're um, you're on the list to adopt again mm-hmm. at 40. And do you feel um, any sort of distance or, or anything being, um, as they call, a geriatric? Which, by the way, I hate that. Because well, I'm already in geriatric. 35. 35 was geriatric yeah. pregnancy. And, geri- like, and, and do, do you mind being, I hate even to say, but do, do you mind being the age that you are and, getting, no, and having kids? No, no, like, like I'll be, so I'll be 40 this year. So I keep thinking like, okay, so I'm 39 right now and at the likelihood of us having, you know, getting baby two and before that is is getting slimmer and slimmer. Um, what I felt when we started the adoption process with Sam, because I was, I was 35 when we started the process, going like almost 36, I felt no stress or anxiety because it didn't matter because my body was not necessarily part of it. So I actually had less stress Yeah. because now I'm like, I don't have to deal with the doctor's visits and all the scary, you know, things that can happen being older, even though people are 45 and 50 having babies. 
babies now. Yeah. Um, and my, it's no anxiety now to have a child at 40 because of the fact that I don't have the, the trauma of birthing the child at that age. Yeah. So it's like, I almost, because of the way we dealt with Sam's birth, I was fully functional the day he was born. I didn't have to have a healing process mm. from birthing a child. Yeah. You know, like there is benefit to that. And you have, I didn't think about it that way. And you like have so much energy and you don't feel like, oh, I'm too old for this. Yeah. And I mean, there's times where I feel like, will I ever have, you know, wake up every morning not feeling like an 80 year old human, but that's just because I'm trying to keep up with yeah. him. I feel that way now. And I don't have. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> damn. Okay, <laughs> but I feel like you know, there's benefit to I. I don't have the stress of breastfeeding or bottle feeding because we are just bottle feeding. Mm -hmm. You can, you can do breast milk with adoption. Our agency is very strict about the rules in that. You have to go strictly at one. Uh, breast milk bank in town. Yeah, where you buy, and it's very expensive. So. Yeah. I'm okay with formula. I'm very much on fed is best. This is crazy to me. I'm <laughs> learning so much about um, just um, people's birthing journeys in general through this. Yeah. You can go buy, I guess I already, I always knew this, but you know firsthand, you can go to a breast milk bank and buy crazy expensive breast milk. Like yeah. how much is it per ounce? I've heard about it being stolen on the black market, like on. I, I want to say, stores. gosh, one of my friends told me recently. So, um, a container of formula, depending on what you get, can run like twenty five to thirty bucks. Um, and I, I wish I knew like how many ounces that was because I feel like, I feel like it was forty dollars for maybe five ounces or something of breast milk. I mean, it's it was pretty expensive. It was like who can afford that exactly? And and I feel like. You know, there's so, there is like a shaming if like of of mothers who don't breastfeed or do you know there is so much and I didn't have to I didn't feel that way yeah because there really wasn't a choice and I was we had a healthy baby he was fed and happy and we found the right formula for him and my husband could get up in the middle of the night too because it wasn't me just feeding yeah so I felt like we had a really good balance uh, in that. You know, because I feel like new mothers who are also breastfeeding are getting up all the time. And so I just felt really lucky that we didn't really have a lot of the some of the choices that people had to make because that was the only choice we really knew. Yeah, that's a great. I mean, I never thought about it from that perspective. Yeah. You know, I'm like, you're getting up with the bottle <laughs> because you just had to stir it with water yeah. and shake it up and, and so that was and and we, we got lucky too because i feel like um we sam gained weight very very easily so he slept better and because it was never a question as is, is is he getting enough you just always saw exactly what he was getting in the bottle yeah. um so yeah it's really just like it's such a everybody knows somebody that was adopted or everybody knows somebody that was that that did adopt I feel like like I had friends that were adopted and I but until you maneuver the actual adoption process it is so foreign and there are so many things like 
like we had to have a fireman come to our house to tell us if it, you know, that our house was safe. And we had to get our fingerprints and get FBI background checks. And we and there's so and take classes. Yeah. And there's so many things that you have to do. And we just always thought, that, well, this is the means to the end. But like, I remember sitting there thinking, we have to do what? You know, like if yeah. I was pregnant, I wouldn't have to do this. So there's, you know, there's just certain things that like you just learn along the way. And now it's just second nature. Once we went through the process again, you're like, mm-hmm. well, this is just what we do. This is. Do you think that there's a good way to do adoption? I feel like everyone has their own opinions about it and things that you feel violated on. And so does, I mean, what is right and wrong? You right. Know, when you're dealing with such a sensitive topic, it, is there a right or wrong? Like, <sighs> can you go to too many Lengths? Yeah, well, I feel like we were really lucky because um, when we went through, so we did a couple rounds of IVF, and when we started our second round, I ran into a, a girlfriend that I hadn't seen in a while. I knew her through yoga, and it was almost serendipity because she's a lawyer, and I remember asking her what she was, she was back to work. She's like, oh, I'm back to work, and I love what I'm doing. And I said, well, what are you doing? And she said, I'm doing adoptions. And I almost got like the chills because we were just getting ready to go into our last round. And we had both said, we will, if it, this doesn't work, we will adopt. We were meant to adopt. It, like we have tried everything and that is what we will do. Like that will be our choice next. And I remember sitting there like crying with her because <clears throat> I was like, there's a reason like I, I bumped into you today because mm-hmm. I'm probably going to be calling you in a month. And sure enough... We called her like that month later when everything, when we found out we weren't pregnant that round. And we were able to sit down with her because she knew the ins and outs of the system. She was basically able to tell us, you can adopt this way. You can adopt this way. You can adopt. There is this way. There's domestic. There's foreign. And she kind of went through all of the things with us. So then we could make the right choice for us. And we actually lived catty corner to the adoption agency walked past it a million times when we were first married and never even noticed it. Wow. You know, so it was just like all of these things, you're like, somebody's telling us this was the right thing to do. We just never paid enough attention until it was actually, um, we were going through it. So I, I now talk to a lot of girls either through her or, um, just through, like Facebook finding people or through the blog who are just about to start that and kind of have the same conversation she had with us because it's so overwhelming. Yeah. Like you don't know where to start or what to do or who there's a lot of agencies that just shut down and take your money and go away. And then you're stuck with God. See this, that seems intimidating to me because I'm, um, just one of those people that I'm like not good at paperwork in mm-hmm. general. Taxes, <laughs> I have one. I have one W two, but I pay somebody to do it every year. I'm like I can't. Yeah. I don't know where my insurance card is if it's not in my glove box. Yep. You know, like yep. same. I am not returning things or on the phone going through that meticulous process. I just eat the twenty bucks. Like, <laughs> I just, no, 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 no. You know what I mean? So I'm like, how? I can imagine that this is like incredibly stressful, and people need a lot of help. Maybe, I mean, I'm just thinking, like, you could be a consultant. Well, that's what, you know, I almost thought um, we're actually, Sam and I are going to um, see the director of the agency tomorrow. Um, They're doing, they actually started housing um, a spot, like, kind of having an office in one of the pregnancy centers locally so that then they're on hand for, like, any potential birth mothers who come in and just, and want to consider adoption. And we're actually going to just um, they're having a little fundraiser. So we're going, it's a very 
COVID-friendly fundraiser where it's just Sam and I and then her and we'll go through and whatnot. Um, But, you know, just talking to her about what options there are for people seeking other than her and how we can kind of because I feel like I have the same conversation with several girls and and pre home study, like right before they start the process. And then once they're on the wait list and they're like, okay, so now what? What do I do now? And hurry up and wait. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And two weeks in when they're like, okay, how long am I going to be waiting? This is hard. This is really hard. But I have already been through it. So I know kind of, honey, it could be a year. It could be six months. It could be three years. And so it's, it's, you know, what is out there for people that are considering beyond just local. So, um, so you have an, um, an open ish relationship. What, um, with, the birth mother of Sam. So we met her and we, she basically handed us Sam at the hospital in like in the delivery room wow. after um, he was born. I mean, not, we weren't there when he was delivered, but we were at the hospital and then, you know, it was very, it's it so surreal. I can kind of see it outside looking in where she, you know, we walked in and saw him and she said, do you want to, do you want to hold him? And then gave him to us. And yeah. it was like, like he was my kid like I knew from that moment like that this is my baby like there was no wow. no question about it um and so then since then we don't we don't actually communicate with her we I write letters and then we'll send them to the adoption agency who has her address and sends them to her do you, do you like that do you think that's are you gonna do that forever I like this for now if Sam wants to pursue a relationship, he, I am. We are completely open with him. We talk to. We always talk about how he's adopted. Um, we tell him. We celebrate his adoption day every year when it became official. So April twenty fourth is the day. Like we went before the judge, and like he became a Yarrow and he got a social security. Car, you know, like mm-hmm. all those things. So we celebrate that almost like a birthday every year. So he's he knows. And whatever, we're just kind of leaving it in his hands. Like, does he want, if he wants to pursue it, we will welcome it. If he doesn't, that's fine too. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love that. I know that um, she looks forward to them based on conversations she's had with the agency and whatnot. Yeah. Um, that they've relayed to us. So I do feel like she's invested and and cares about. And I know, like... I don't know how you make a decision like she did. You know, like, you're making the best decision for your baby, but it's also a very selfless decision. I mean, that's why I... I, I'm just wondering, like, how she deals with it, and if you ever feel any signs that maybe she'll change your mind, and is that allowed? It's not... At this point, no, it would never happen. Like, so 72 hours after the baby's born, they, they basically sign the baby over to to the adoption, you know, to like to mm-hmm. us. And then it's official, official six months later when you it's in the court and yeah. and whatnot. So there's really no way, but like. Tough, man. I can imagine being uh, Sam's mom and doing that. Yeah. yeah no way. So we'll see. Like, 
the doctor when when we stayed at the hospital the the pediatrician that came in and checked in on Sam said her brother had adopted 3 and only one actually wanted to meet and have a relationship with the birth mother she yeah. said everyone is is very different boys usually process it a little different than girls um it'll just be it's interesting delicate. yeah yeah and i delicate. think we had to read a lot of books um as part of our home study and a lot of it was about the trauma you can do to a child by not talking about it and how how long ago, when I say long ago, I mean like 1960s, 70s, they used to house babies for three months in like a like a foster situation before they put them with adoptive parents mm-hmm. and how detrimental that became to like the kids because, you know, like they need that initial contact and yeah. – and then a lot about the people who raised their adoptive children as biological, and then somehow they randomly they find, find out. out. Like, do you watch? Did you watch Parks and Rec? Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh. I did enough, but not enough. To oh, okay, the because it's like the one where like they do the thing, and then Jerry, like they're they're like your adoptive or your birth mother or something, and he goes, "I'm adopted," <laughs> and he's like in his fifties, and oh, I just that yeah. always like sticks with me of like. How traumatizing that could be to like just not know and all the questions and I recently saw a um, a documentary called Three Identical Strangers. Uh-huh. And I forget where maybe it's on HBO, but it's about these three these triplets who were separated at birth and adopted and placed in homes and then they were placed in homes that already had um older sisters in it that were adopted. And it turns out it was this whole like scientific like project that these like really corrupt doctors did, but they thought they were doing like something great at this adoptions agency, like in the sixties and seventies. And it was like, these people just had no, it was crazy world. It was a crazy (laughs) world back then. And like, then still to this day, no one ever got like, no one got in trouble. No one ever went to jail. No one was prosecuted for anything. And then these, anyway, these boys ended up finding each other in college. And it was like a whole thing and so much thing. And it was the whole like nature versus nurture. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and yeah. that's an interesting. The nature versus nurture is always interesting because there's so many things that I just remember. Sam as a baby, and my mom was saying, "Oh my gosh, that's you, Lori. You were exactly like that. You, that was exactly you." And you know what? This study came out. I mean, as much as this study was very corrupt, it did. I mean, it had like 30 years of research done on it, and ultimately, it it's it proved that um, DNA makes you like a. Like the persons, like these boys met and they were, they had all the same mannerisms, like skeleton wise. They had all the same, they sat the same way, they laughed the same way, they coughed the same way, right. their bodies were the exact same, right? But nurture had made them three completely different people. Yeah. And like, even like the way their brain waves work with like epigenetics and everything, and like, and they were just really, really strangers, but yet the same exact yeah. person. That's so you fascinating. Know? It's nuts. Well, so what is the future for Lemon and Zest? You're going to keep going? So might I just say, if anyone does not follow Lemon and Zest on um, Instagram, please do. It's Lemon plus sign Zest. And it is. Oh, no, it's Lemon and Zest. Yeah. If you do it on Instagram, it's Lemons and Zest, like the words spelled out. Um, And then just LemonsandZest.com and and everything that's like what it is. You know, I think it's also exciting. Like it's all perspective. Like you're writing a new normal. Yeah. You really are. Like what's next? You're writing a new normal. And. You know, you just got to trust your gut on it. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you're so entertaining and your foods are so fun as it is. What I love is just the human way that you share your process and 
Uh, and I know I, people hate to use, hear the word journey, <laughs> but, 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 but you'll be honest about like over the past two years, you know, the way that I've photographed has really changed and I really love that and whatever. And you added so much levity and light to it all. Right. But I think it's crazy that the blog is just in the middle of your life and just right. like, kind of fits into it. Right. So anyway, as somebody who I don't have kids, I've never adopted <laughs> and I don't make any of the things, not any, <laughs> but like I don't really cook in general. Right. I still like adore following you and watching Thank it. You. And like, and you're just so, even like from the first time we met, I was like, this girl's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I aspire to be as, you know, like normal. You know, like I, I'm very big when one of my biggest things is, is I basically like never show my face on Instagram, mm -hmm. but it's it's not because I don't want to show my face. It's because every time I turn the camera on to myself, I have a screaming child <laughs> and it's just like you wouldn't hear what I was going to say anyway. <laughs> so, you know, so we're it's it's every day is kind of a, a new way to maneuver it all. And um, we're just like figuring out what working without nap time and. Without my sitter just moved to like 30 minutes away. She's also a preschool teacher. And so since we didn't do preschool this year, his program was canceled. I had her twice a week in the afternoons. And that was kind of my like quiet work time. Well, now she moved 30 minutes away. So that's been very hard. So, you know, I feel like we just get thrown a different loop and we figure it out. The nice thing is I don't work on deadlines. Yeah. My work gets done when it gets done. Mm -hmm. And unless I'm doing spark like partnerships and sponsorships, which I'm very I'm very, very picky about and I don't do a lot of them unless they feel really right. But I don't have to have anything done at any certain time other than I send my weekly newsletter out on Wednesdays. So Tuesday nights I'm always, you know, scrambling to get that yeah. done. But everything else is just like it flows when it flows and it'll get up when it gets up. So Amen. Laura Yarrow, thank you so much. Thank you so much. How can people find you? Um, okay, so the actual site is lemonsandzest.com. So lemonsandzest.com. Um, Instagram, I'm on. Um, same thing, Lemons and Zest. Uh, have same thing for Facebook, facebook.com slash lemonsandzest. I have it all connected on the site. So yeah. Pinterest, um, it's always really easy to follow me there, too. I'd say when you Google, it comes up. And I guess that's where I get lemons plus sign zest yeah. pops up. But it's lemons and zest. And it's really, really, really easy to find you. Yeah. So you're always the first one. So Perfect. <laughs> that's Thank where you. we want to be. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. And um, off. And isn't she just great? She buttons that all up so well, doesn't she? Mm, make sure you check her out, Laura Yarrow, at lemonsandzest.com. And also, she did say she speaks very, very openly about her adoption process and what's going on with it. And she is happy to talk to any and everyone who has any questions, okay? So you can get at her at lemonsandzest.com and Instagram as well. She's all up on those messages. And uh, also, there is a, a form to, like, to write her to DM her or whatever, email her on her website. Thank you for listening. Like, subscribe, all those things, and have a great freaking day. I'll talk to you soon.